Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everything's getting more expensive these days. Gas, rent, and even your music. While other music services keep jacking up their prices, Live One is letting you lock in the best music membership at the best price. Live One Plus is just $3.99 per month. Get all your favorite music ad-free, along with unlimited skips and maximum audio quality. Beat inflation with the best deal in music at just $3.99 per month. Visit liveone.com slash best music to get Live One Plus now. Did you hear that? Wine and champagne is 20% off. And that? Medium selection boxes like Skittles and Cadbury mix and match any three for five euro. 20 and 24 can boxes of Coke, Diet Coke and Coke Zero are just 12 euro. Have you got any 10 off 50s? And that's the sound of better value. Every week leading up to Christmas, there's new savings to be had. Dunn Stores. Make Christmas for everyone. Terms and conditions apply. Vouching abuse to next grocery shop of 50 euro or more. Vouch excludes alcohol. Please drink sensibly. Welcome back to the story. First, I need to make a correction. Kim Antonakis was born on November 15th, 1974. I said at the beginning of part one that she was born on March 4th, which was the day she was murdered. I had a lot of notes for this case, and I must have put that date in the wrong spot. So, she was born on November 15th, 1974, which makes her a Scorpio. When we left off, Detectives Pia and Shelvin had gotten Josh kicked out of his apartment and had given him the impression that he had passed the polygraph test in an effort to shake up his life. They wanted to give Josh a false sense of invincibility with the crime, which would lead him to become careless and sloppy. They wanted the people involved in Kim's death to begin fighting amongst themselves. Their plan worked, but maybe it worked a little too well. This is Monsters. On June 23, 1995, Jose Negron, who went by Joey and wasn't related to Jay, arrived home at about 1 a.m. He was with his wife Antoinette and her son. He pulled the sleeping young boy out of the back seat and rested him on his shoulder as he and Antoinette walked to their apartment. Before they got there, someone walked up behind Joey and shot him in the back of the head. The bullet severed his spinal cord and killed Joey instantly. The bullet exited the left side of his face, barely missing his stepson. Antoinette searched for a pulse on Joey, but couldn't find one. She pulled her boy out from under her husband and was relieved to see that he was unharmed. Jay knew that Josh had smoked Joey. Josh had told him once that he would make sure that he was the last man standing. That was almost an admission that Josh was going to kill him as well. By now, the detectives were right and Josh believed he was invincible. 
He thought he had gotten away with two murders, and he told everyone he knew about them. He met a new girl to mooch off of who went by Blondie, and he told her all about the deaths of Kim and Joey. He told her he'd kill her, too, if she told anybody. She was afraid of what Josh would do to her and her four children if she kicked him out, but she decided to do it anyway. She had April come to pick up his belongings so she wouldn't have to see him. Blondie had a Yamaha 350 motorcycle that Josh had been using and she didn't want him to steal it, so she took it to a friend's house to hide it. A few days later, Josh kicked down the door and stormed into her house. He punched her in the face and demanded she tell him where the motorcycle was. She wouldn't tell him and he threatened to burn down her house. Blondie got a friend to watch her kids and was going to the police station to report Josh. But after she got into her car, Josh had come back and reached in the car and grabbed her by the hair. He told her to keep her mouth shut or he would kill her. He said, quote, you can be tied up in your garage and burned too, end quote. He then did something to her car under the hood and left. Blondie's friend who was there to watch the children came outside and fixed her car. But before she could back out of the driveway, Josh returned with three other people and chased her into the garage where he punched her again. Blondie picked up a shovel to try and defend herself, but Josh took it from her and began beating her with it. Josh was about to make good on his threat as he repeatedly beat the woman with the shovel. When a neighbor yelled out that she had called 911, Josh snapped out of his rage and left. The neighbor hadn't actually called 911. She just wanted to get Josh to stop, and it worked. Instead of calling 911 herself, Blondie went to her friend's house to pick up the motorcycle, being more concerned that Josh would find it than him killing her for some reason. But Josh arrived at the house just minutes later. Now Josh had a tire iron and used it to smash all of the windows on Blondie's car before telling her he was going to kill her. She tried to ride off on the motorcycle, but Josh was able to knock her down. She scrambled to her feet and jumped into her car. After she peeled out of the driveway, Josh began chasing her on the motorcycle, pointing a gun at her. She made a quick turn going the wrong way down a one-way street, then made a bunch of other quick turns before she realized that she had lost him. She drove to a payphone and dialed 911. She explained that her ex-boyfriend had stolen her motorcycle at gunpoint. Kind of an understatement, but an officer arrived at her location and took down her story. While they were doing that, Blondie remembered that Josh had confessed to murdering Kim. She said to the officer, quote, Do you know about where they burned a girl in a basement? End quote. Unfortunately, this officer had no idea what she was talking about, and though the story seemed far-fetched, he didn't want to make a mistake by dismissing her story if it were true, so he brought her to the precinct and asked a detective if he knew anything about a girl being burned in a basement. Detective Johnny Wilde knew exactly what he was talking about and told him to bring Blondie in. Blondie told Detective Wilde the whole story. She told him about dating Josh and having him confess to killing Kim. She had details about the crime from Josh that only the killer would know. She told him that Josh had also confessed to killing Joey. She knew that Joey was holding his son when he was shot, which was another detail that she wouldn't know otherwise. She also told him that Joey had a recording of her ex-boyfriend confessing to Kim's murder. When he asked her who confessed to both murders, she told him Joshua Torres. When the news got to Detective Pia, he knew they had finally gotten their man. They needed to get the tape that Blondie had mentioned, which they thought was in the possession of Antoinette, Joey's widow. When they tracked down her vehicle and pulled her over, they explained that they wanted her to come to the station so they could talk about her husband's murder. She agreed, and they followed her to her mother's house so she could drop off her son. 
Once there, they realized that it was right by the house where Kim had been murdered. You could see the back of that house from a window in the mother's house. This was how they found the location to hold their kidnapped victim. Joey knew that his mother-in-law lived by an unoccupied house. It turned out that Antoinette didn't have the tape, but she answered any questions she could and allowed them to search her apartment. They found Joey's address book, and when they cross-referenced the numbers inside, they found that one of the calls that was made from Kim's apartment the day she went missing was to the girlfriend of a man named Nick Labretti. It wasn't a call to a woman that Josh was cheating with. He was calling Nick. Detectives now believed that they had a good idea of what happened to Kim and the four people who were responsible. When Kim let her friend April, her son, and her deadbeat boyfriend Josh stay in her spare room while their apartment was having the floors done, Josh took note that she had a lot of money. He realized that her money came from her dad, who seemed to be fairly wealthy. While he sat around Kim's apartment during the day, while his girlfriend was busting her ass to support him, he had time to think up a plan. He would kidnap Kim and ransom her for a big score. Josh already had a lengthy criminal record. When he was 17, he worked as something called a chicken hawk. He would approach young boys about 8 years old and ask if they wanted to make $20. When the kid said yes, he would drive them into Manhattan and sell them to an adult for sex. The pedophile would pay Josh $200 and then he'd give the boy who had just been raped 20 He was eventually arrested but only given 5 years of probation and no jail time. You'd think that someone who obviously had absolutely no regard for human life, especially a child's, would elicit more concern for public safety from the justice system. But no, off you go. We're sure you learned your lesson. The following year, he was arrested for robbery, but the charges were dropped. Then he was arrested for rape and unlawful imprisonment of an underage girl, where he pleaded guilty and got sentenced to 60 days in jail. Yep, he seems to be really learning his lesson. Josh was the mastermind of the plan, though the word mastermind would turn out to be a bit of an oxymoron. He recruited his friend, Nick Labretti, to carry out the actual kidnap. Nick called his best friend and business partner, Joey Negron, to help him with the job. Nick and Joey had a business together as kidnappers for hire. They supposedly would kidnap members of drug dealers' families and hold them for ransom. If this was true and they had experience kidnapping people and holding them for ransom, it definitely didn't show during the kidnapping of Kim. Nick had already been arrested once after a bungled robbery. On October 26, 1994, he and two other men crashed through a window in a Brooklyn house occupied by two women and one of the women's four-year-old son. Nick put the muzzle of his 45 automatic pistol in the woman's mouth and threatened to blow her brains out. When she wasn't able to tell him where the money he believed was in the house was, he then put the gun to the boy's head and demanded to know where the money was. This loud and noticeable robbery took place at 9.30 in the morning and was witnessed by two cops. When the cops made it to the house, Nick and his associates fled, but they were quickly caught. Nick was initially given a $25,000 bail, but his mother convinced the judge to lower it to $1,000 since he had no previous record. He eventually testified against the other two perpetrators and got off with probation. That court date was on February 6, 1995, less than a month before Kim was kidnapped. Pop quiz. What can you buy for $3.99? Not a latte, but for less than the cost of a cup of coffee, you can get all your favorite music ad-free. 
While other streaming services jack up their prices, Live One's membership is only $3.99 per month. And you can lock in that price for a full year. Join now to get the best deal in music with zero ads, unlimited skips, and maximum audio quality. Get the music you love at a price that fits into your budget with Live One Plus. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. Shrink your Christmas bill at Dunn Stores. Delicious free-range 4-kilo Irish turkeys are just $39.99. And incredible unsmoked center-cut Irish ham is now just $13.59 for 2.75 kilos. That's 20% off. King Prawn Cocktail and Oak and Peat Cold Smoked Salmon are just €6. Plus, with our 10 or 50 grocery voucher, you save even more. Dunn Stores. Make Christmas for everyone. Terms and conditions apply. Voucher can be used to next grocery shop of €50 or more. In the early morning hours of March 1st, Nick and Joey followed Kim to Liz's and waited for her while the girls did their nails. Then they followed them to the club and waited for them to finish dancing. They followed Kim back to Liz's house, where she dropped her friend off, and then followed her to her garage across the street from her apartment. When Kim pulled into the garage and got out of her car, Joey grabbed her as soon as she opened the car door. He had one hand over her mouth to silence her screams. He put duct tape over her eyes and mouth before taping her hands behind her back and her legs together. They put her in the trunk of her own car and drove it away. Kim fought hard and managed to rip a few zipper teeth out of Joey's jacket. She didn't want to give up, so she began kicking the inside of the trunk lid. Joey turned up the stereo and effectively drowned out the sound of her kicking. Joey drove the Honda Accord to the unoccupied property near his mother-in-law's house and carried Kim into the basement. He set her in a wooden chair and retaped her hands so they were behind the back of the chair. Joey pulled off her shoes so she couldn't stomp and make noise and then robbed her of her jewelry. He also pulled the tape from her mouth, pushed a piece of gauze into her mouth and retaped it. Then he left. Kim was left in a freezing basement with no jacket, no blanket, and no shoes. They left her with no food and no water. Joey dumped Kim's car in a residential area east of the house and rode with Nick back to Brooklyn. Josh had given them his pager and had paged them multiple times during the kidnapping. Later that day, Josh went to a payphone and attempted to send a ransom to Kim's father. He dialed Tommy's phone number, and when he heard a man's voice say, Hi, Josh pulled the phone away from his ear and held a small tape recorder up to the phone. In an effort to disguise his voice, he read a message really slow and then played the recording at high speed. He demanded $75,000 and said, quote, your money or your daughter, end quote. When the message was done, he put the receiver back to his ear, but Tommy didn't say anything. After a minute of silence, Josh hung up. Josh redialed Tommy's number and repeated the process, but when he put the receiver to his ear, again, Tommy didn't say anything. Josh hung up and was confused as to why the man wasn't responding to the ransom of his daughter. What Josh didn't realize was that he had reached Tommy's answering machine. Tommy's outgoing message started with him saying hi. Then there was a pause before the rest of the outgoing message played. Josh would hear hi, and when he played his message into the phone, the rest of Tommy's outgoing message was playing. Then the machine would beep as Josh's message ended. He would put the phone back up to his ear at the time the person calling should be leaving a message on the machine. When Tommy got home, he played the messages, but all he heard was silence. It was a matter of really unfortunate timing that Josh never left his ransom message, because Tommy would have paid it and it's possible Kim would have lived. 
Later that day, Kim became a missing person and Josh pretended to be a concerned friend who was helping try to find her. He thought he was clever by pointing to Psycho as the prime suspect, but that didn't last long and the detectives quickly realized that the Russian gangster wasn't involved. After Kim had sat in the basement with no food or water for three days, Jay suggested they let her go. They tried to ransom her and it didn't work. She didn't know who any of them were, so they might as well cut their losses. Josh, Nick, and Joey all agreed and they prepared to release Kim. At this point, Josh hadn't been in contact with Kim at all during the kidnapping. He didn't even know where she was being held. Joey told him and wanted him to be involved in letting her go in case they got caught. They all drove in the same car to the unoccupied house with the intention of putting Kim in the trunk and releasing her in a park somewhere. As they walked from the car to the house in the 25-degree weather, they didn't have a single thought that leaving Kim tied to a chair in an unheated basement with no food or water for three days might possibly have created a problem. When they went into the basement, they saw that Kim's head was tilted back and she didn't seem to be breathing. Josh kicked her hard in the shin and she didn't move. Nick used a pocket knife to cut the tape from her face, and when he did, he accidentally cut her cheek, but she didn't react. Josh claimed that he checked for a pulse, but couldn't find one. They went back to the car and discussed their options. Josh decided that the best option would be to burn the whole house down. He believed that burning the house would destroy all of the evidence. They drove to a gas station where Josh bought a gas can and filled it with fuel. They returned to the house where Josh and Nick went down to the basement with the gas. In the basement, Josh looked at Kim and said, quote, I'm sorry it had to end this way, but shit happens, end quote. Then he kissed her on the forehead. Josh poured the gas all over Kim, soaking her completely with the flammable liquid. He lit a match and threw it onto the young woman before he and Nick ran up the stairs. The match hit the fuel and ignited into a bright fireball. What Josh didn't know, though, was that Kim wasn't dead. Her core temperature was dangerously low and she was very close to death, but the freezing temperature had only slowed her breathing and made her pulse so weak it was virtually undetectable. She was, in fact, still alive. It was proven by the fact that there was blood flowing to the vessels in her hands, causing the red marks around the blisters, and she was breathing the hot air into her lungs, scorching her esophagus. As soon as Josh and Nick made it to the first floor, they shut the door to the basement and pushed a refrigerator in front of the door to make it harder for firefighters to get to the fire and put it out. These idiots vastly underestimated how quickly the fire department is able to overcome obstacles to get to a fire. They would ultimately not even go through the house to get to the fire. They forced the basement storm doors open and brought the hose in that way. The four murderers ran to the car and raced back home. Josh and Jay had claimed that they had gone out searching for Kim's car and arrived back home just before 3 a.m., much later than the 1 a.m. they would eventually tell detectives. In the months that followed, the four would get into arguments about the police investigation or whether or not one of them was going to snitch. Joey began getting nervous and secretly recorded Josh talking about the murder as an insurance policy. He thought if he got caught, he was definitely taking Josh down with him. It's believed that he was the one that made the anonymous call to the detectives. He didn't give them Nick's name during the call because he was his best friend and was trying to protect him. Josh became equally as suspicious as Joey, which led to his eventual murder. After that, Josh believed he was invincible, which led him to start bragging about the murders of both Kim and Joey. 
That led to Blondie making a statement, and that got authorities back on the path to put these horrible monsters away. On September 6th, Blondie was able to go back to her house, which had been burglarized and vandalized by Josh. When detectives arrived to ask her if she knew where her ex-boyfriend was, they saw the state of her house and found out that Josh was paging her repeatedly. They told Blondie to respond to the page and make Josh a deal to give him the title to the motorcycle if he leaves her alone. Josh took the bait and set up a time to meet Blondie at a local McDonald's. When Josh arrived to get the title from Blondie, four detectives rushed out and arrested him. Everything's getting more expensive these days. Gas, rent, and even your music. While other music services keep jacking up their prices, Live One is letting you lock in the best music membership at the best price. Live One Plus is just $3.99 per month. Get all your favorite music ad-free, along with unlimited skips and maximum audio quality. Beat inflation with the best deal in music at just $3.99 per month. Visit liveone.com slash best music to get Live One Plus now. Let's have a look at today's lineup. There's a strong Dunn Stores influence from top to bottom, starting with selected boxes of bottled beer and cider like Heineken and Boomers from just €18.72. Half-price Pringles are a very welcome inclusion indeed. 10 or 50 grocery vouchers doing their bit at the till as usual. All that's left to do now is enjoy the football. Dunn Stores, always better value. Terms and conditions apply. Voucher can be used on next grocery shop of €50 or more. Voucher excludes alcohol. Please drink sensibly. With Josh stewing in an interview room at the station, Detective Pia went out to find Nick. With Antoinette's help, they found out Nick was at his mother's house and arrested him as he was walking out the door. Back at the station, the detectives successfully played each man against each other until Nick finally broke down and explained what happened. Of course, he said that everything was Josh's idea and he wasn't really involved at all. After signing a written confession and making a video of the story, he then asked the detective if he was going to get the reward money. Two people were dead and he was still only concerned about money. While awaiting trial, Blondie was attacked by a friend of Josh's, so she was put into protective custody. The conditions weren't great and she wasn't sure if she could stay in hiding with her kids for the length of time it would take for Josh's trial to begin. The news reported that Nick was involved in holding a gun to a child's head in the past, which got him attacked by other inmates. It doesn't matter what other heinous crimes they may have carried out, most inmates do not like when someone hurts a child. Then, Blondie flew to Ecuador and tried to smuggle $130,000 worth of drugs into the United States. When her flight arrived in Florida, she was caught and held by the DEA. She tried to claim that drug dealers were holding her children hostage, and they forced her to do it to discredit her from being a witness in the case against Josh and Nick. Police in New York located her children who were with a babysitter and not being held hostage. Their star witness had just gone down the tube. Their last hope was to track down Jay and get him to testify. After Joey was killed, Jay flew to Costa Rica to lay low, but he had recently returned to New York. Detective Pia was trying to find Jay, but was not having any success. Eventually, a story leaked in the news about Josh saying Jay was the mastermind of the whole plan. Detective Pia fully expected Jay to see the story and flee, but to his surprise, he didn't. He called the detective and offered to come in and talk. Jay told a room filled with detectives and district attorneys that he knew about the kidnapping plan, but he didn't find out about her death until after they lit her on fire. After going into more details, they knew they had a witness to what Josh and Nick had done. 
they would have to make a deal with the person who was least involved in order to put away the two worst offenders of the group. Now, they just had to make sure Jay stayed alive long enough to testify. They ended up putting him in a county jail 80 miles away under a fake name. The district attorney offered Jay a deal of two to six years in prison in exchange for testifying against Josh and Nick. Jay's lawyer said no deal and got up to leave, but Jay had decided it was time to do the right thing for the first time in his life. He accepted the deal against the advice of his lawyer, and the case against Josh and Nick was set to proceed to trial. Josh was cocky as he entered a plea of not guilty. He knew the case against him was weak, and he believed he was going to walk. Days of testimony went by, and nothing proved that Josh was guilty. Despite having to give the defense two days of notice for their surprise witness, Josh was shocked to see Jay walk up to the stand. The smug look on his face vanished as Jay explained to the jury that the plan was created and orchestrated by Joshua Torres. The case against Josh was no longer weak, but it was his own lawyer who nailed his coffin shut. The lawyer was also under the impression that Josh had passed a lie detector test, and though the results are not normally admissible in court, they are if the lawyer of the person who took the test asks about the results. In an effort to inform the jury that Josh had passed a lie detector test, he asked Detective Pia during cross-examination about that test. Detective Pia informed him that Josh had taken a polygraph and that he had failed it. The defense lawyer hadn't considered that detectives might have lied to Josh about his polygraph results, which they were legally allowed to do, but it turned out that they didn't even do that. After Josh took the test, they didn't tell him the results. They just told him he could go and played it up like he had passed the test, but they made Josh make his own assumption. Josh was so convinced that he had beat the polygraph that he told his defense lawyer that he had passed and his lawyer just took him at his word. He didn't follow up on the results just to make sure. Josh was thoroughly fucked. The jury deliberated for 10 hours, and in the end, they found Josh Torres not guilty for the murder of Joey. There just wasn't enough evidence to prove that he pulled the trigger. They did, however, find him guilty of felony murder for the death of Kim Ananakis. They also found him guilty of first-degree kidnapping, kidnapping with the death of the victim, and arson. During his sentencing, Josh made a statement claiming his innocence, which did absolutely nothing to help him. The judge, disgusted by his statement, sentenced him to the maximum allowable punishment. Josh was sentenced to four terms of 25 years to life, two to run concurrently and two to run consecutively, plus eight and a third to 25 years for the arson. He would not be eligible for parole for more than 53 years. He will be 81 years old. A year later, Nick Libretti went on trial and had the exact same outcome. He was found guilty and his sentence mirrored that of Josh. Josh Torres wasn't the only person involved in the kidnapping and death of Kim Antonakis, but he was the one who came up with the plan, the one who instructed all the players, and the one who ended Kim's life. He then moved on to end Tommy's life and attempted to end Blondie's life. He could have stayed home, taken care of his son, and lived off of the hard work of his girlfriend, April. But even that windfall wasn't enough for him. Josh needed more. He needed easy money he didn't have to work for. Just like when he sold children to adult men for a profit, his greed superseded anything else, even human life. It was that greed that turned him into a monster. If you're the victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. 
Please talk to your local battered women's shelter or call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or you can go to thehotline.org to chat with someone online. The great thing about this website is that, at any time, hitting the escape key twice will take you to a Google search page. That way, if your abuser is nearby, you won't get caught looking for help. If you're having feelings of harming yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility, call 911, or call Mental Health America, who operate the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and will talk to you about any mental health issue you might be facing. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. You can subscribe or follow the show to ensure you don't miss an episode, and you can leave us a rating on whatever podcast app you use. If you'd like to support the show, you can do that by checking out our merchandise at Teespring. You can also discuss the channel and the episodes on our subreddit, r forward slash thisismonsters. You can find more ways to support our show and how to find us on social media by visiting thisismonsters.com. Thanks again, and be safe. As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just $3.99 per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. Life's full of things we can't depend on, like the Irish weather, predictably unpredictable. When you're cutting it fine, but the tractor in front is out for the day. No winner of this week's you-know-what. So much for Lucky 7. But some things you can depend on. Like in home heating. Emo, Jones Oil and Campus Oil are now Certa, Delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future. For home heating you can depend on. See CertaIreland.ie Shrink your Christmas bill at Dunn Stores. Delicious free-range 4-kilo Irish turkeys are just $39.99. And incredible unsmoked centre-cut Irish ham is now just $13.59 for 2.75 kilos. That's 20% off. King prawn cocktail and oak and peat cold smoked salmon are just €6. Plus, with our 10 or 50 grocery voucher, you save even more. Dunn Stores. Make Christmas for everyone. Terms and conditions apply. Voucher abuse to next grocery shop of €50 or more.